Romans chapter 11. As soon as you find Romans chapter 11, then uh, turn in that same page to, uh, or in the same book, to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, you remember from last week, uh, Paul is covering the subject of election. Uh, as he's covering the subject of election, he's also going to point to vindication. And as believers, as Christians, here tonight, uh, we get the opportunity to once again look at these two words, election and vindication. There in chapter 9, we see the word election. Paul uses the example of the sons of Isaac and Rebekah, twins. And from the start, uh, the prophecy is very clearly demonstrated that the older is going to serve the younger. Contrary to what was the tradition, the tradition was, and even today, usually the firstborn, the oldest, usually has the rank, the pull, the influence, the say. And so it's almost like the oldest is handpicked of the Lord. But when you think about the subject of election, there's three S letter words that if you have not written them down yet, you should. The supremacy of God, supremacy, the sovereignty of God, and also you see the seniority of God, how God has the right to choose, to elect. Look at verse 11, chapter 9. For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, any right or any wrong, I would say, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, which is not of works, it's of Him who calls. So there he points out, it was said, verse 12, the older is going to serve the younger. That word election there that we just looked at, if you're taking notes, is a word that points to the act of God picking out, God choosing has to do with God's free will, God's choice, God's election. And so, as we think about that, go with me now to chapter 11 in the book of Romans. And uh, we're able to see, picking up in verse 1, the different uh, thoughts, the different words that point to God's choosing, God's election. Uh, before we even read these words, it's good tonight to think about the fact that you're here tonight, I'm here tonight because God chose you. God chose me. God has handpicked you. And uh, I wonder how many of us realize that. And to the degree that you realize it, you're going to have a joy. You're going to have a strength. You're going to have a motivation, which is unmeasurable. I'm going to get back to that in a second. But look with me at chapter 11. Look with me there how Paul says, I say, has God cast away notice the subject of election is right there his people there's people that belong to God now this is pointing to the Jews It's pointing to the Hebrews that 
as Paul is used by God to write to the Roman believers, it's clearly demonstrated that as a nation, as a group of people, the Jews, Israel, who are God's chosen people, right now they're on the side, if you would, as far as God's will, work, and plan to reach the lost. As far as God revealing himself, he's using the Gentiles. So the thought was that as Paul develops it in chapter 9 and chapter 10 and chapter uh, 11 in the book of Romans, you see that their selection, God's sovereignty, God's supremacy, God's seniority, but yet someone could say, well, so, so good for that. Where did that lead up with the Jews? And so Paul asked the question, wait, wait, wait a minute. Has he cast away his people? Certainly not is the answer. For I am an Israelite, and Israelite there implies, again, election of the seed of Abraham. Do you see that? I circle these words here. His people, uh, an Israelite, the seed of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. And now in verse 2, he says, God has not cast away. If you didn't get it, again, he repeats it. His people, whom he foreknew. That also points to God's election. God's seniority, God's supremacy, God's sovereignty. Um, look at verse 4. What does the divine response say? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed down their knees to Baal. Reserve for myself. I stop, look to your eyes. I pray you see tonight, you're reminded tonight, in that chapter, all these words placed together, they point to the fact that God has chosen a group of people to reveal himself to the world. And those group of people, he started with Israel. He started with the Jews. Um, keep going there. Are you in chapter 11? You'll see it in verse 5. Even so then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. You have that word again there. The election of grace. If it's by grace, if God chooses because of his favor, it's not because we deserve it. It's not because we earn it. God chooses because of his love, his mercy, and his favor. Now, let me stop here a second. And I know that so far I'm wondering, are we engaged with this? Are you really getting it? I'm going to show you a picture of what happens when Deep down in your life, you have that understanding. You have that revelation that God has chosen you because of his favor, because of his grace. And as we look at this in a moment, then you'll be able to evaluate where are you in relation to the revelation that the Bible shows us tonight. As we come on a Wednesday before Thanksgiving Thursday. So tomorrow... To what degree will we be giving thanks? Well, that depends. To what depth do we really understand that God chooses, God elects, God foreknows? So go with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, we're going to look here at uh, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, actually, um, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul developing this thought here how... Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is like a light and um, it's a ministry that Paul received there in verse 1 of chapter 4 he says therefore since we have received this ministry 
as we receive mercy to the degree that we understand his mercy his kindness uh, not getting what we do deserve we do not lose heart let me stop there a second again let me look to your eyes the ability to not get discouraged the ability to not get disappointed now of course you get discouraged of course you get disappointed but the ability that whatever life throws our way my way your way even though you might get discouraged you might get disappointed it doesn't swallow you up it does not control you it does not dictate or determine how the rest of your day is going to go look again at second corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 when you receive this mercy you can renounce the hidden things of shame you don't have to walk in craftiness you don't have to try to handle the word of god in a deceitful manner no you just let the word manifest the truth by the manifestation of the truth what you do then what i do what we do is we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of god and paul says here in verse 3 even if our gospel is veiled even if people don't understand it it's only veiled to those that are perishing those whose minds the god of this age has blinded those people that do not believe so that the light of the gospel of glory of christ who is the image of god would not shine on them so much said there did you notice that probably you did maybe you didn't it says the gospel of the glory of christ who is the image of who god god the father god the son god the holy spirit it's a it's a revelation it's an illumination when you truly understand god so loved the world that he gave his son his only begotten son jesus christ and when you see jesus when your eyes are open to joshua the messiah you understand the purpose of jesus the coming of jesus listen is so that you and I can have a straight in road to the living, holy, awesome God. You can go to God. Ferguson is burning up. You, we, I, I can go to God. Manipulation of racial um, advantage to break to divide to i can go to god i get discouraged i get disillusioned i get upset i hope you stick with me what i'm about to say is controversial but listen the way that things are one of two people was going to go home that night it was going to be the law enforcement or it was going to be the other individual one of two people were going to go home that night and it's good to think about the fact tonight that you know as you look at this nation there has been racial abuse in the past there has been but should that excuse disobedience should that excuse manipulation should that excuse abuse should that excuse criminal activity here's what i'm trying to get you to see that things that happen in your life and in my life are going to have the tendency to you know what I'm going to get discouraged. I'm going to get the solution. Depression is going to knock on my door. But what I'm trying to share with you tonight, what I'm glad that I get to think about tonight, hey, there's this thing that God gives you, that God gives me, 
which is the ability of our eyes to be open, to be enlightened, to understand Jesus Christ, to understand the Savior, and not just in the head, but to understand it and embrace it with my heart, with your heart, and it embraces us. And then what happens is that the gospel, the good news, is not veiled. You see it. You understand it. You apply it to anything and everything in life. Are you there with me? Second Corinthians chapter 4. Please look at this next verse here. And those of you that pray, as we read this, pray, Lord, help us understand this tonight to a deeper level. Those that are watching by computer, Lord, may they understand. Understand what? Look at verse 5. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, we are bond servants for Jesus' sake. Because it's God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, again, in the face of Jesus Christ. When you know God, you know Jesus. When you know Jesus, you know God. But listen, tonight, I pray you could come a little bit closer here to thought to the Word of God. What is this getting at? What is this pointing to? Understanding election. Understanding vindication. God's choice. Do you really understand it tonight that there's people that have no clue, no idea? Something happens, they'll get together and they'll be manipulated by somebody else. Hey, let's set fire to this building. Yeah, let's set fire to this building. And, and, and they'll destroy, they'll burn police cars. The same police cars that when they have a problem, they're going to call 9-11. And it's that police car that's going to bring the police officer to their house to help them. Sometimes they give a mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation if they're choking. If, they, if they're choking on some, that, that same individual, the police officer is going to go there. And as fire rescue is on the way, as some of you that work fire rescue know, the police officer sometimes gets started. When you arrive there, they, you take over. And you're going to burn a, a car down for what reason? Is the individual that owns or drives that car, did they do anything to you? But... We don't need to look at television. How, how often we sometimes get upset at someone that they really haven't done anything to us. We're just reacting to something else that somebody else did. And then this triggered off the emotion and now we're taking it out on that person. And that person happens to be an employee or happens to be our supervisor or happens to be our neighbor, happens to be our elder or deacon or brother or friend. So here Paul says, you know what? Man, we have light that has shone out of darkness. Paul here says, you know what? We have received mercy. So what happens? Look at the next verse there. Verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So what does this power do? Paul says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but listen, we're not crushed. You can't crush us. Sometimes we don't have the answer. Sometimes I can't tell you why this is happening. I don't know why this is happening. We're perplexed, but you know what? We're not in despair. Look at verse 9. Sometimes people persecute us. They're against us. We're persecuted, but you know what? Never, never, never alone. We're never forsaken. What does the Bible say? If God is for us, who can be against us? And tonight, you and I, Wednesday night, pre-Thanksgiving Thursday, by God's design, we can look at this. Your Thanksgiving tomorrow, I, I suspect a lot of you, maybe not all of you, 
You're gonna you're gonna sit in a table, and there's gonna be incredible food. And sometimes there's gonna be a competition. Wow, that's what Grandma made. That's what Tia made. That oh, pass that over, you know. And, and it's so easy to eat. And sometimes I think Thanksgiving, overeating, oversleeping, <laughs> overindulging. And then now what do we have? Let's make it to Black Friday Thursday now. And again, not the world. I'm concerned that maybe some of us here tonight, we won't stop to say, wow, Lord, out of darkness, I was in darkness, and light came into my life. The reason for Jesus is so that, God, I could have this kind of relationship with you that your mercy can be pressed down into my heart, poured out into my heart that, Lord, you know what? I can be persecuted, but I'm never forsaken. I know you're always with me. Why? Because I'm always with you. Why? Because I'm not going to let this dictate. You're going to dictate, Lord. And then over there, you see it. He told you we're hard-pressed sometimes. Sometimes things are hard on every side, but I'm not crushed. I haven't even begun to fight yet. And sometimes I'm, I'm questioning, how, how could she do this? How could he do that? How could, how could this leader do that? How could that leader do that? But you know what? I'm not in despair. I'm not in despair. And then the last one, I love it. And sometimes life is like you're struck down. I love that word. I did a word search on it one time, and I've never forgotten it then. It's a word that points to, have you ever seen these big cranes that have this huge steel ball at the end of them and they swing against the wall you ever seen that well the result of that big ball on that crane going against that wall and that wall coming down that means struck down so Paul here is saying that life sometimes you got the of people of experiences I mean it just got you sometimes the same thing happened to you 15 times and it didn't even face you. But this time you're thinking, Lord, I don't get it. Why is this hurting me so much? You didn't expect it. It really caught you by surprise, even though you were anticipating it would happen. It could have been the divorce. It could have been being fired. It could have been things imploding. It could have been, in my case, man, the death of my dad. Totally, I expected it. I saw it coming. But then when it happened, fuakata. You're struck down. But look at what he says there. What does it say there? But I'm not destroyed. Think about that with me tonight. See, when that ball hits that wall, there's no wall. All the bricks are like Ovaltine powder. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. That's great, Chuck. I grew up on that stuff. (laughs) That, That brick wall is like Ovaltine powder. But yet it says, when it happens to you and me, If we understand what that election is, God has chosen you, you're chosen. You're not in an incubator. You're not in an ivory tower. You're not exempt from the things in life that's going to touch the person to your left, and it's going to touch the person to your right, it's going to touch the person in front of you, and it's going to touch the person behind you. And when that happens, you're going to say, wow, it didn't get me. Just wait, it will. (laughs) It's just not time yet. But then all of a sudden, boom, it gets you. And you're crushed. And that's what's amazing. You realize, man, I'm not destroyed. I can still praise the Lord. There's still in me this peace. There's still in me this joy. There's still in me this, man, I I never thought in this condition I would have this. Or better said, he would have you. Now you leave 2 Corinthians. Hopefully you, well, we can't leave it yet, can we? 
verse 10. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Life is so funny. Life is so funny. Some of you guys here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you ladies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some sons, some daughters, some moms, some dads. Man, this happened and you died. This happened and you died. I love the illustration of, of this guy that got radically saved in California in Calvary Chapel. And the guy was going to do something. He, he, he was going to uh, go out and get some drugs, you know. He's rolling up a marijuana joint stick. And the guy that's a Christian that's discipling him takes it and throws it away. He says, we don't do that anymore. Oh, we don't do that. Wow. Then he's going to get some, some pint of hard alcohol. He's going to about to drink. And the guy says, we don't do that anymore. Then he's going to smoke a cigarette. We don't do that anymore. Finally, he sees this great-looking girl walking, and, he's looking, and the guy turns his face. Wow, we don't do that anymore either. No, we don't do that anymore. And when you really know Jesus, you know that, man, you're dying to self, you're dying to self, you're dying to self, and when you think you got nothing else to die, you discover you do. And God says, you don't do that anymore either. Lord, <laughs> then what do I do? You worship me. You praise the Lord. You let me be your sufficiency. And it's understanding that, man, Christ, our sufficiency is Christ. You're sufficient in Christ. We should be growing to that. We should be growing to that. There's a time in your life that maybe you like this, you like that, you like that sport. And there comes a time in your life that, why, you don't do golfing anymore? Nah. You? Yeah. You gave up the, yeah. Hey, you want to go with me to the hospital? I've discovered what it is to visit those kids, those babies that are in cancer wards. But yet so many of us Christians, it's like, don't take away the golf, don't take away this, don't take, how long have you been a Christian now? Oh, man. <laughs> and you haven't given anything up lately? I don't know, because here Paul says, man, I carry the dying of Jesus Christ. Hey, let me look to your eyes now. You with me? He gives up heaven. He renounces being like God, in a sense. In a sense, God is over it, or he becomes a man. He's born where? In a stable. Where did it place him? In a manger. So you think, okay, once I get this done, then Carl's, uh, Ritz, Carl, Carl, what is it? Ritz, Carl, Carl, Carl. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? You guys know the expensive stuff. So you think Jesus says, hey, I come in low, but I'm going to go out with the lights. No. And there he goes, Gethsemane. And there he goes to the cross. And even on the cross, they're mocking him. He said, when does it stop? When does it stop? And then he gave instruction on that. Hey, the colonel, it must fall to the ground, and it must die. It must die. You and I, we should get to that place where we're able to say, hey, I'm crucified with Christ. But you know what? But I still live. But you know what? It's not I who's living anymore. Christ is the one that's living in me. And that's what he wants to do in you. That's what he wants to do in us. That tomorrow, okay, enjoy it. Eat the turkey, the cranberry, eat all of it. But I'm wondering, does a Thursday Thanksgiving ever come that we do anything different? Hey, this year, instead of eating, man, we want to go feed. We, we want to go serve. We, Lord, how do I die to self? Always. Look at that verse. Which, one, which verse is it? Can you help me out? Just to see if you. What verse was it that we just read? 
Chapter 4, what verse? Okay. Always caring about the body, in our body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that the life of Jesus also, look at this, may be manifested even in the body. Because we who live were delivered to death for Jesus' sake. But that's okay because that's so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested. Look at this. Where? Not in something spiritual pie in the sky. No, in our mortal flesh. Death is working in us, but you know what? Life is working in you. Go with me to Romans chapter 11. Let's go through it quickly. Why did we go there? I hope you're with me. I hope we're together in this. We're looking at tonight how this election, this election, man, it has an impact in your life and my life when we allow it to, when we want it to. We, we become a different individual. And as I teach this, I know, man, isn't that difficult? Isn't it hard for you to die? You know, it's funny. I use the illustration. Even if you're very sufficient and you try to crucify yourself, okay, so you take a piece of wood, okay, and maybe you, you tie yourself up to that piece of wood and then you take a nail and you nail your feet to the cross, you know, and then you hold the nail, you know, if you're good and you hold the nail and then you, you nail that, you nail the nail, and then, okay, you're crucified. You got the legs and you got one arm, okay? Who's going to crucify this one? Who does, who puts the nail of this hand in the cross? Who does that? The people you love. Sometimes it's your husband. Sometimes it's your, you, don't, don't you stick that nail in? I didn't mean it. Yeah, but you still stuck it in. Who, who puts that nail in there? It's not your enemy, because your enemy, you know who they are. You know they're coming. But you're dying. You're dying to self, and, and you're not reacting. To, tomorrow, maybe you get uh, sinner Sally coming to your house. Or heathen Henry, your uncle. And you know what they're going to say. Hey, so how's your church? Did you get that building yet? And you know where they're coming from. And you're going to respond. Well, let me tell No, no, no. You're dead. I'm dead. We're dead. No, we haven't got it yet because we're waiting for you to make your commitment. You're coming. And as soon as you come, we're going to get that. I mean, you answer them in a way that you, you love them. You don't let them get to you because you're dead. And they, sometimes it's the same people that are going to pick the same thing that they did last year. Last year they got upset. They left the house. You're washing the dishes. Thing. I can't believe I invited This is the last year I invited him. And now you invited him this year again. Because Jesus is, is going to test you again this year. So they're going to come again. And unless they're born again, guess what they're going to do? Try you again. But it's okay. Grass is dead. You're dead. That's election. Go with me to there, Romans chapter 11. And that's why it starts saying, well, I say then, has God cast away his people, the people that can do this? No, certainly not. The Jews, has he forgotten about Israel? No, certainly not. And we looked at last week. I'm not going to go at it again, but he gives a personal example. That's verse 1. He gives a historical example. That's verses 2, remember, through uh, the end of verse 5. And then he gives a favorable example, which is, grace look at verse 6 we'll read it again if it's by grace if God chooses you by his grace then it's no longer by works it's not what you do it's his love his favor he's chosen you because if it's by works then grace is no longer grace and if it's by work then work 
is no longer grace because then work is no longer work either. So what is Paul saying there? I look to your eyes that if you know God, if you know the word here tonight, if you know Jesus, it's because God chose you. That's a challenge. But didn't I have any part in it? You said I do, but when you grow more mature, you discover he helped you. He helped you to do that. You, you couldn't do that on your own. Yes, I could. Keep my number. You'll be tested. Pride comes before the fall. Anytime you're in Christianity thinking, I did this, I could do this, watch. I, you're going to fall. You're going to fall hard. You're going to fall like David. David, half his lifetime, he takes the bear, the lion, the giant, and when kings go to war, he stayed home. And already Bathsheba's on his mind. Hey, call that lady. Bring her over here. That's Uriah's wife, man. What are you doing? Who's the king here? I'm just going to, I just, I just want to talk to her. That's all I want to do. Yeah. Famous last words. Next thing you know, he's committed adultery. Next thing you know, he's about to have a cover-up situation. David, what are you doing, David? Pride. It's grace. And that's why God forgives him. And that's why God makes it dear public. Has God cast away his people? Listen, tonight, way in the back, this is the lesson of Romans 11, is to show you, no, God has not thrown his people away. Why? Because of election. Because God chose his people. And when God chooses you, he will continue to work with you. Even though we're faithless, even though you're faithless, even though I'm faithless, he remains faithful. Do you understand that? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. When you understand that, then, man, all bets are off as far as you trying to hold on. You're wanting to let go. Okay, God, have your way in me. It's not what I think. It's not my comfort. It's not what I desire. You kind of stop. <laughs> and you come to that point where you say, okay, God, what do you want now? What do you want with my life? Have you entered that yet? Are you living there? Hey, where are you living? Coral Gables, Miami Lakes, Miami... No, 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 no. Where are you living? I'm living at 777-whatever-God-wants. That's where I really live. So whether I'm in Coral Gables, whether I'm in Liberty City, whether I'm in Pequeña Habana, it's whatever God wants. You know where I live? Where God wants me to live. I manage my money. I, I do. I give him my time. But it's whatever God wants in my life now. How's your marriage? Oh, man. Uh, we get, wake up in the morning and the butterflies are floating. And the birds are singing. How's your marriage? Wherever God wants it. It's okay. I'm content. How you doing being single? Man, if that's what God has me right now, I'm great. Why? Because he's chosen me. I'm chosen. I'm chosen by the Lord. Uh, keep reading and you'll see what he does then. Verse 7 through verse 10, just as a review. He's going to show that, hey, even though he's chosen you, even though he gave a personal example, even though he gave a historic example, even though he gave a favor example or the grace example, the reality is that, hey, some people have backslidden. Israel as a nation is backslid. Verse 7, what then? What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. The reality is, man, they're far away from where God wants them to be right now as a nation, in a sense, in being used to reach others, to come to know the Lord. He's using the Gentiles right now. But the elect, verse 7, have obtained it. There are some Jews that are completed Jews. The rest 
were blinded, just as it's written, God gave him a spirit of stupor. That's Deuteronomy 29, verse 10. He's quoting from, so that their eyes would not see, their ears would not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their backs always. He's quoting from Psalm 69, verses 22-23. And then between verses 11 and verse 24, Paul is going to show here that, hey, even though election, verses 1-10, through 10, shows God's faithfulness, God's sovereignty, God's supremacy, God's seniority, well, between verses 11 and verses 24, I look to your eyes as I say this, Paul is going to show what God wants you and I to see. That even though Israel has been hardened, and even though Israel has drifted away in God's original first option, first choice that he gave them, okay, what he's going to show you is, that the reason that that happened, again, is to get you to come a little bit closer and me to see, to perceive, to, to understand this election of God. That he is so sovereign that he can choose Israel and yet know that Israel is going to be blinded in majority as a nation. But that blindness is to show you that even though God chose Israel, he was also choosing you and me, the Gentiles. Do you see that? Maybe you don't, so let's read it. Maybe you'll see it very clearly. I'm just going to try to read through these verses. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? In other words, that they're never going to see it? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentile. Now, verse 12, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, then how much more is their fullness going to be? What is Paul talking about? God's going to bring Israel to salvation. Verse 13, moving on. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. If by any means, verse 14, I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. In other words, what's Paul saying? As I'm speaking to you Gentiles, man, I always want to see some Jews get saved, okay? But what does he say here? Well, he says, if I speak to you Gentiles, as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, if I may save some of them, because, verse 15, their being cast away is the reconciliation or the reconciling of the world. In other words, Israel didn't come in completely so that the world would be able to know Jesus Christ as Savior. What will their acceptance be but life from the dead? I got to stop. I got to look to your eyes. There, Paul is showing you that although Israel, as a nation, they don't understand Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Paul here says, when they do, is like bringing someone back from the life. To, it's like a resurrection. Look at verse 16. Let's keep reading. He says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, then so are the branches. The first fruit, of course, is Jesus. So verse 17, If some of the branches were broken off, okay, Jesus is the vine, you're the branches, and then Israel was originally there, but if it's been broken off, and you being wild, the Gentiles, they were like wild olives. He used to see an example of grafting. If you were grafted in among them, and with them you became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, don't boast against the branches. Okay, in other words, don't 
don't have any anti-Semitic attitude against the Jews. Don't boast, because if you do boast, remember this, that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. I said this last week. I say it again. Look to your eyes. Remember this, that we Gentiles here, we have a Jewish Messiah. Remember, we Gentiles here, the Messiah, Jewish, came from Israel and through Israel. Okay? In other words, I look to your eyes tonight. There should be in you this ability to measure to the greater degree that you have a love for Jesus, that you have a love for God, to a greater degree that you're going to have a love for, for Israel. You're going to have a love for the Jews. You know, I remember the first time that our plane on our way to Israel was about to land. And the minute that we were over Israel, you notice because some of the Orthodox rabbis, you know, they'll get up and they'll start praying at sunrise, you know, in the plane. There was a joy. There was this joy that just flooded my heart and the heart of so many believers that were together going to Israel for the first time. Well, then we went to Israel for the second time. Guess what? Same joy. Third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, seven times. Every time I go, still joy. We're, we're getting closer. Right now, we, we're just about to, to call back and, and, and get the final price. You know, we're still praying. We're trying to get it under 3000 in that area to go to Israel. We're, we're planning. If, if just maybe we can make it in 2015, we'll, we'll get back to you. But pray on it. If, if you're able to go, you're going to see. You're going to see that. Man, the things you read in the Bible, you're seeing. You're, you're seeing some of the places right before your eyes, the Sea of Galilee, the Elah Valley, you know, the, 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 the places where you go, the, the Temple Mount area. But all of that to say that here Paul is saying, listen, don't you boast that because you have this relationship with God, don't cast off the Jews. Don't look down at the Jews. Hey, remember, the branch supports you. You don't support the branch. Keep reading and you'll see verse 19. So you are going to say then branches were broken off that I might be grafted in? Well said. That's exactly right. The reason that Israel's hardened and blinded today in part is because God wanted to get you and me to know him. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Don't be haughty now, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches... He may not spare you either. Verse 22, Romans chapter 11. Therefore consider the goodness, consider the severity of God on those who fell. Severity, but towards you, man, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also may be cut off. Verse 23, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be grafted in because God is able to graft them in again. God can do it. Verse 24, moving on. For if you were cut off the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and if you and me as Gentiles, we were grafted in contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, then how much more can God, will he, these who are natural branches, will he graft them into the olive tree. So we ended there last week. And again, I looked to your eyes. What is Paul showing there in Romans 11? I hope you're getting this. I hope you're, you're understanding this. God is, through Paul showing, he chose the Jews. They were blinded. They were hardened. They didn't accept Jesus so that we would have an opportunity to accept Jesus. However, Paul says, because God chose them, he's going to vindicate them. Vindication, he's going to save them. He's going to clear them. He's going to bring them back in. God's going to do that. Now, let me stop a second. Look to your eye. 
do, do you understand this? You may, you may not. But when you understand this, you know, man, if God can do that, if God can save and vindicate the Jews, then you and I, Gentiles here, we have a good foundation for no wonder Paul is able to say, I may be crushed, man, but I'm not destroyed. Because I understand choice. I understand election. I understand vindication. So that's what Paul presents. But now he's going to give you in verse 25 some good information for you and me here. Look at verse 25. I don't desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant that we're means uninformed of this mystery. Ladies here tonight, guys here tonight, those watching by computer, you can't miss out on this mystery. What mystery? Well, you can't miss out on this mystery so that you don't become wise in your own opinion. What is this mystery? That blindness, in part, has happened to Israel. Okay? Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Look at that again. Until, what does it say there? The fullness of the Gentiles has come. Now, if you want to, you can repeat with me. You don't have to, but if you want to, we're going to repeat this again, okay? Blindness, in part, to Israel has come until when? Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. What in the world is the fullness of the Gentiles? Well, Jesus, in teaching about the end times, he uses a term that's known as the times of the Gentiles. Put a marker here. Go with me to Luke 24 so you can see that yourself. We're going to Luke 24 to see the end times teachings of Jesus in this term that he uses as the times of the Gentiles so that we could from there launch back to Romans and understand better the fullness of the Gentiles okay so Luke chapter 24 we're going to be going now to verse 24 interesting 24 24 21 I'm sorry not 24 21 24 21 24 so in Luke 21 24 hopefully you're there Jesus is talking about how in Israel, because of their resistance to Jesus Christ, because they did not accept Jesus. Well, in 70 AD, Titus Vespasian, the Roman emperor, came. He conquered Israel. He conquered Jerusalem. They were all spread out, okay? And then, in a sense, the control of Jerusalem was by Gentiles, okay? Rome, Titus Vespasian. So here's what Jesus says. You know when my return is close? When the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. In other words, when the Gentiles, in a sense, will no longer have a dominating say in Jerusalem. When it goes back to the Jews. See, in 70 AD, the Jews no longer had control. Remember the war, 1968, then Yom Kippur War. The Jews were able to conquer that again. Look at me there, chapter 21, verse 24. And they're going to fall by the edge of the sword. They're going to be led away captive into all nations. That's what happened to the Jews. Jerusalem is going to be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So I look to your eyes. You've been watching the news. There's been activity going on on the Temple Mount area, you know, and they're blaming the Jews. But just to make this point very quickly, the time of the Gentiles controlling the Temple Mount area, here Jesus prophesied that's going to come to an end. The times that the Gentiles are controlling in Jerusalem. Now go back to Romans chapter 11, and you're going to see that he uses a different terminology here. 
Luke, we saw, we just read in chapter 21, that Jesus said that times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. But here he says, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. What is the fullness of the Gentiles has come? Well, very simple here. What has he been talking about? See, you could understand this. He's been talking about Israel, the Jews, being what? Blind, right? And then he's been talking about the Gentiles being what? Able to see Jesus. Well, when the fullness of the Gentiles, when the last Gentile gets to that fullness of knowing Jesus, go back again to, where are we? Verse 25, and we see in Romans chapter 11 that he says, I don't want you. I don't desire you, my brothers, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. So you would be wise in your own opinion that blindness has happened to Israel. In other words, Israel's going to be blind until when? Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. I look to your eyes and I smile because what that verse is saying, that when the last Gentile that's supposed to be saved gets saved, when the last Gentile says, Jesus, forgive me my sins, Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Man, that's going to be the best fuakata that ever happened. Because, man, fuakata, we're out of here. Because it's the last Gentile that was supposed to be saved back there. Do you get this? Do you see this? In other words, remember, what did he say? In part, blindness has happened to Israel. Why? So that the Gentiles could see. Say, where did you get that? Go back with me there to verse 11, chapter 11 of Romans. I say they have stumbled. What? They should fall. Why? Certainly not. No. That through their fall to provoke to jealousy, salvation has come to who, family? To the Gentiles. Look at verse 13. I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. Go further down. Verse 16. Jesus, the first fruit. He's holy. But go a little bit further down and look at this. Verse 19. I'm going to say to you branches, you're broken off that you would be grafted in. So I stop here, look to your eyes because of time. I hope you're getting this on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Do we have any reason to give thanks? Duh. Yeah, turkey, turkey, turkey. No, no, no. I'm going to have some lechong tomorrow. Uh, what do we get? There? Listen, the pilgrims, all of that is beautiful and wonderful. But you know why we should give thanks? Because God had planned. He allowed the Jews to be blinded so that I could receive sight, so that you could receive sight. And tonight you need to know that we're in a time period of grace because God does have a clock, spiritually speaking. He's got a time that he's allowing for the last Gentile to come, and that, in a sense, should be motivation. Are we telling Gentiles about Jesus? Are you telling friends about Jesus? Are you praying for people? For them to come to know Jesus. We need to. We need to pray. We need to be saying, Lord, give me insight. How do you live your life? What are you thinking about tonight? Your vacation? Your retirement? I know what some of you are thinking about. Your marriage, your, your home, your house, your car, your health. Listen, all those things, all those things you could think about. But as believers, we should be thinking about, Lord, are you using my life so others would come to know you a savior he wants to he wants to and he will if you let him well how does he end look at verse 26 and so 
all Israel is gonna be saved as it is written. Now he quotes, the deliverer is gonna come out of Zion. He's gonna turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Jesus is going to vindicate the Jews. He's gonna do it. Verse 27, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Um, and let's go to Zechariah in the Old Testament. Go with me. Put a marker there, Romans. We're going to go back to Romans. And the last book in the Bible is Malachi. So if you're going back, you're going to see Malachi. Or if you're Italian, you can pronounce it Malachi. No, but Malachi. And then if you keep going from Malachi, you're going to get to Zechariah. Wonderful book that tells you here, prophetically looking at what Jesus would do. You're going to see this. You're going to understand this. Chapter 12. Zechariah, the fullness of the Gentiles. When the last Gentile gets saved, all of Israel is going to be saved. God's going to work again with Israel as a nation to reveal himself through them. So, there in Zechariah chapter 12, go together at this moment to verse 10. And here, look at this prophecy. God says, I'm going to pour out, I'm going to pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. What is he going to pour out? The spirit of grace and supplication. And then they're going to look on me whom they pierced. I stop a second. Did you hear that? Who did the Jews pierce? Jesus. Hear God through Zacharias prophesying for you and me tonight to know. We know Jesus. We're Gentiles. But this is the subject of election and vindication. That God says, you know why I saved you? Because I blinded Israel. But you know what I'm going to do? When the last of you that's supposed to get saved gets saved, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be in heaven seven years. God says, and then I'm going to fulfill my promise to Abraham. And I'm going to reveal Jesus to the Jews and to Israel that they have never really quite understood it. I'm going to open their eyes and they're going to understand it. That's the God of the scriptures. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God that you and I are here today. A God that works out the salvation. He does it. And look what he says here. Look at this. They're going to look on me when they have peers. And all of a sudden he's going to give them that conviction of sin. And they're going to mourn for him as one mourns for, in case you didn't get it, his only son. And they're going to grieve for him as one that grieves for the firstborn. So if you didn't get it as the one that appears, maybe you'll get it as the only son. And if you don't get it as the one that appears and the only son, then you're going to get it as the firstborn. What does it say? God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. Are you with me tonight? This is God. This is the reason for thanksgiving. Look at what it says here. In that day, verse 11. There's going to be a great morning in Jerusalem like the morning at Hadad Rimmon in the plain of Megiddo. And the land is going to mourn every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, the wives by themselves, the family of Levi by itself, the wives by themselves, the family of Shemai by itself, they by themselves, the family that remains every family by itself, and their wives by themselves. There's going to be a mourning. 
there's going to be a weeping. They're going to recognize Jesus. There's another part where the prophecy is they're going to say, hey, where do you get those wounds? And Jesus is going to say, I got this in the house of my friends. In other words, that day they're going to mourn more because they're going to realize you're the Savior. We killed you. And he says, yeah, but I always still saw you guys as my friends. <laughs> Man, that's, that's heavy love. They crucified him. They spat upon him. They, and wait a minute. Back there. Come a little bit closer here. God allowed all of that to happen because he wanted to save you and he wanted to save me. He says, these guys are my friends, but I'm going to let them be blind for a while because right now they don't get it. I could reveal myself to them right there as he's going to do it. He says, but I'm going to put them on hold now because that, that's what they're going to get. They're, they're going to reap what they have sown for a while. He says, but the reason I'm doing that is because there's a row of Gentiles over there. There's, there's some Jews here tonight, by the way. But there's some more Gentiles over there. There's more Gentiles. He says, and for you Gentiles, my friends, I'm going to put them on hold. And they're going to go to concentration camps. And they're going to be burned alive. And they're going to put in incinerated ovens. And you know why I'm allowing that to happen? Because I'm going to save some Gentiles first. I'm going to save you. Thinking, wow, Lord, do I understand election? That the same way that you chose Israel first, you were also choosing me and you, my family, here tonight. How this is more than just church or prende la velita, you know, light the candle. And if you like the the dove, keep looking at it because you're not gonna see it too long. You know, it's, it's more than a it's more than a dove. It's more than than candles and artifacts, you know, you, you could have a building like a warehouse, and the important thing is, in your heart, in my heart, do we understand election? He's chosen you. He, he loves you. Oh, yeah. Well, where was he when I was being? You know where he was? Allowing Satan to try his best at you because he knew that you would respond to his love. He knew that you would. He picked you. He chose you. He chose me. And I can say, well, wait a minute. Why did I have to go through this? And why did I have to go through that? You know what? Who cares? He chose me. That's what matters to me. So whatever happened to me as a kid, whatever happened to me, that's secondary right now. I'm going to focus on the fact that he chose me. I'm chosen. And the same way he's going to vindicate Israel, he's vindicated you and me in Jesus Christ. You're clean. You're washed. You're holy pure before his sight he doesn't see your lies he doesn't remember your sins he doesn't remember your ego your pride God chooses to forget that and all you need to do and I need to do is allow Jesus to embrace us and his blood to cleanse us let's wrap it up here look at Romans 11 vindication and election verse 28 so concerning the gospel they're enemies of the gospel for your sake. But concerning election, understand this topic, election. But concerning election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God, they are irrevocable. I'm going to say it, even though I know it's not politically correct. And, and American natives, we love you, but we used to say this, Indian giver. Now, I don't know why we say Indian givers, because it's really the white man that would give and take away. Isn't that funny how we are? 
We call them Indian givers. Man, it's a, it's a human thing. The tendency is we give and we want to take it back. Ever done that? We give. And sometimes, any strings to that? No, no strings. We just have some fiberglass cords and we got some ropes, you know. We give things. And then when people respond to us, well, you know, I, I gave them that. You know why that happened? To show the way we give things. God doesn't give that way. God's gifts are irrevocable. He'll never say, hey, I gave you. He's not a, he's not a giver that way. He says he chose Abraham. He chose Isaac. He chose Jacob. He gave him a gift of being elected. And he's going to cash in on it. He's going to treat them again as the chosen people that they are. His gift, his graces, they're irrevocable. You know what that word means? He's never sorry that he gave them. I got to believe. I, I never had to go through divorce. But I got to believe if I had to go through I would look at this ring and I would say, man, what, how could that happen? You know, and, and sometimes, you know, divorce, the thing is, man, I gave them my best. Or I gave her my best. And that's the way they pay me. And so... But God's heart is that he, through Israel, has been like a separation, but God never looks at them and says anything but, I love you and I'm never sorry that I chose you. So verse 30, as you were once disobedient to God and now you've obtained mercy through their disobedience. So even though, verse 31, now that you've been disobedient, or through mercy shown you, they would obtain mercy. Worship team, please come forward. Verse 32. For God has committed them all to disobedience so that he would have mercy on all of them. And as Paul says this, he breaks out in this kind of worship. All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Paul here says, man, God's got so much wisdom and knowledge that all the time he had a plan on how to save the Jews, how to save Israel. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways beyond finding out. You'll never know the way that God is working. You're going this way and this happens and that happens. And before you know it, God had a plan. I remember Jonah and the big fish. You know, fish going up and down and everything. And before you know it, there's Jonah. Fish spits him out. And a little while later, God says, hey, Jonah, so how about it? Nineveh? <laughs> the ways of God, the knowledge of God. So you went through this heartbreak. You went through this rejection. You went through that divorce. You went through that bankruptcy. You went through here. You went through that church. You went through that pastor. You went over here. You went over there. And now you're here. And so it's not that. It's not about a pastor. And it's not about a church, it's about God. Hopefully you're here and you're falling in love with God. And hopefully you're here and you're saying, man, I want to know Jesus. And, and hopefully you're here and you're understanding that even in the place that you parked today, and even the parking minister that said, park over here, God was in it. God is in it. And that's what, that's what, that's what Paul says here. Man, the depths of God's love, it's like you could never get to the bottom of his love. Verse 34, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's become his counselor? Who has first given to God that God should ever repay? Man, let me wrap this up. Verse 36. Of God and through God and to God are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Jesus loves you. We'll close in song. If you have kids now, this is a good time to get up and please go get the kids. If you need to go, bye-bye. Love you.